0: The Macro View, episode 41. You're listening to the number one daily podcast focused on spreading the logic of liberty. I'm your host, Andrew Smith. Whether or not you believe that climate change is real or a hoax, the vast majority of people in the U.S., and likely around the world, have bought into the conclusions of government organizations from around the world. Given that most people do believe that climate change is real, which, given the way that that phrase is phrased, I don't think anyone actually denies, but given the fact that most people believe it is caused by humans, which some people do deny, and given the fact that fewer people, though still a sizable plurality, believe it will be extremely devastating and overwhelmingly negative, it would be prudent to ask ourselves what the actual models are predicting at the extreme. Interestingly enough, whether they're accurate or not, there seems to be a lot of hyperbole surrounding the climate science debate. People on the left, even those in the center, often believe that climate change will bring about the end of the world. Those on the right believe these same people are trying to grab power and send us back to the pre-industrial age. Tonight, we bring realism to the table. Tonight we take a look at the predictions made by models that the EPA is using and discuss what they actually mean for society. You'll be hard pressed to find a more honest analysis. So far, all we really hear is it's real and it's devastating or it's fake and it's just a government power grab. For many people, those who trust science often to a religious degree, the latter argument is not a satisfying one. Though one could argue that the private market would be far more efficient at stamping out the potential effects of climate change if it is real, people that believe religiously in science also tend to believe religiously in government and that government is unbiased and not motivated by greed, which they also see as the flaws of the free market. It'd be great to get people with this mentality to understand the science of economics At least just a little bit, but first you have to plant seeds of doubt into their existing worldview. Pounding them with economic law and history is not always the best way to do that. Often the best way to do it is to say that may be true, but let's think about the actual implications of what you're saying. That is what we're going to do here tonight. We're going to talk through the realistic implications of the most extreme climate change scenarios predicted by the models used by the EPA. Now we're going to dive right into it after this quick break. All right, folks. So I know most, if not all of my listeners are big believers in the free market. Some of my listeners may, from time to time, find themselves stumped by a statist. That's got to stop today, folks. We cannot let them embarrass us with pro-government intervention bumper sticker taglines and anti-free market memes. We need every single one of you to be able to clearly, concisely, and convincingly burn the statist strawman. There's a resource for that. It's Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom. You can sign up today, and they have three different levels. Basic, Basic Plus, and Master. With the Master membership in particular, you'll gain the equivalent knowledge of if you were to take a PhD program in libertarian thought, if there were such a thing at any of the various youth indoctrination centers that we call universities. So go and sign up today and begin taking courses such as An Introduction to Logic, The History of Economic Thought, Austrian Economics Step by Step, John Maynard Keynes' his System and Its Fallacies, a ton of US and Western Civilization History courses, Freedom's Progress, The History of Political Thought, and much, much more. To learn more, go to macroviewnews.com and click on the link in the top right corner titled Liberty Classroom. Once you've completed the master course, you're guaranteed to be better prepared to help me spread the logic of liberty. Okay, we're back. So first, let's start off with temperature. So the climate change activists, the EnviroNazis, as I like to call them, when talking about temperatures rising... They like to use passionate speeches to make it sound like the world's going to get so hot that people are going to begin melting and that heat stroke will become the number one cause of death. So what are the actual predictions? Well, according to the EPA, increases in the global temperatures are expected to be within the range of 0.5% or excuse me 0.5 degrees Fahrenheit to point to 8.6 degrees Fahrenheit by 2100, by the year 2100, so about 83 years from now, with a likely increase of at least 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit for all scenarios except the one representing the most aggressive mitigation of greenhouse gas emissions. They also say on the same page, this is the EPA, some parts of the world are projected to see larger temperature increases than the global average. Now, what they don't disclose... But what the models where they've gathered this information from do disclose is that the temperature increases that will be greater than the average, if the models are accurate, are going to be in the coldest places on Earth. So places like Canada and Russia, Antarctica, the southernmost tip of South America, Alaska, etc. What this means is that permafrosts will melt and there will be a lot more land available to form. It also means further south of these regions, regions such as the Great Plains, will have warmer springs, longer springs, and longer fall seasons, warmer fall seasons, and it'll lead to longer growing seasons. It could more than double, when combined with farming technological developments, more than double the agricultural output of the world. Now, given the ever-increasing population and the fact that all people need to eat food, this is obviously a net net good. You know, this isn't a negative. This is net net a positive. Now, in the hotter areas, the models the EPA gathered uh, that the EPA gathered the data from predict that the temperatures will r- rises will be below the global average. So this means, yes, maybe it'll be a little bit less less comfortable in places that are closer to the equator it also means that there will be much more pleasant winters across the vast majority of populated regions. Now, next are uh, the next effect that climate change is going to have, according to the EPA, are the ice and snow packs, which we kind of touched on just there. But ice packs and snowpacks and permafrosts are expected to decline by 15% for every two degree Fahrenheit increase. So in the most extreme situation, the most extreme situation this means that about 64.5% of the permafrosts and the ice and snowpacks will, that we have today will, uh, will go away. Now, this is the most extreme scenario. With that said, even then, all it means is that there's 64%, 64.5% more land to farm both livestock and vegetation, additional land that can be lived on as well, additional land that can be more cost-effectively mined for natural resources. All of these are positives, not negatives. Now, look, I get it. Nature is beautiful. I love nature and I love the natural beauty of nature. But nature can also be brutal. Nature is not inherently good all the time for the human race. Just because something is natural doesn't mean it's conducive to the success of the human race. Houses are not natural. Cars are not natural. Computers are not natural. There are so many things that we love and enjoy, things that we would hate to have to give up, that are unnatural. Hell, medicines are not natural. Well, there are some natural medicines and remedies for illness. Most of the major advances in curing disease and extending life came from combinations of natural things that were put together by humans into something that's completely not natural, but it saves millions of lives a year. Think of antibiotics. Think of blood thinners. Think of blood cauterizers, which you wouldn't be able to do surgery without, and so much more. Natural and satisfying are not necessarily synonymous. Overwhelmingly so far, the effects of climate change, specifically the effects of man-made climate change, that we have discussed are actually net positives. So if you deny that most people that live in places where it snows eight months out of the year and have very low productivity, agriculture industries, if any, would like, like to have longer springs, summers, and autumns, you obviously have never lived where it snows. We have three more effects of climate change that the EPA has gathered from the models. They, uh, the models that they used... And we're going to finish discussing all of them right after this quick message. All right, everyone. So I've got another great resource for those of you that are saying, Andrew, you know, I'd love to do Tom Woods' master level courses on Liberty Classroom, but I really don't have the time for that right now. I need a crash course on Liberty and Austrian economics. Maybe you're saying to yourself, you know, Donald Trump was just inaugurated and my parents or my wife or my husband or someone else I love is way over the moon. All their free-market so-called convictions were tossed out. They threw the baby out with the Obamas. And now that there's a Republican in the White House, that's all that matters. I need something fast. I need something that'll get me caught up in a day or at most in a week. Well, folks, I've got you covered. If you want to learn more in a single day or in a week about economics than most people will learn in a lifetime, you're going to want to head over to Mises.org and check out their absolutely free Mises Bootcamp. In five quick lessons, you'll learn more than enough to take down any of the various absurd defenses of government interference in the economy that your Republican loved ones may launch over the next four to eight years to justify the big spending and big government and all sorts of other interferences, tariffs, whatever may come about under the Trump administration. For your convenience, you'll find a link directly to the registration page for the Mises Boot Camp on tonight's show page stop waiting and harness the knowledge that you need today all right we're back so the next and oftenly you know often the most common claim by the enviro nazis is the devastation of man-made climate change because of rising sea levels now the way that it's spoken about you know you would think that the sea level is going to rise by a mile And that everything east of the foothills of the Rockies is going to be covered with water. Now, as an example of this hyperbole, a headline from the Washington Post from a little less than a year ago reads, scientists nearly double sea level rise projections for 2100 because of Antarctica. Now, within this article, if you were to go and read it, they touch a little bit on what the models are saying. But what are the actual models predicting? You know, is it going to be a global flood where everything except for the highest peaks in the world are not covered by salt water? Well, according to the EPA, the currently projected range of sea levels rising is between one to four feet by twenty one hundred. There's a wider range that projects from point six six feet to six point six feet, and it reflects the uncertainty about how glaciers and ice sheets will react to climate change. So, sea level rises also could possibly be about eight inches worse than predicted based on some of the uncertainty surrounding the ice sheet changes. Now, obviously, this won't affect every area the same, but even in the worst case scenario, what we're talking about is a little bit more than seven feet of sea level rises. Now, I don't know about you, but I would much rather see you know large infrastructure spending, which for the record, I'm not necessarily for, I don't want government to go out and just start spending a bunch of money on on infrastructure projects. I'm just saying relative to being thrusted back into the dark ages to prevent this from happening. You know, I'd much rather see infrastructure spending to build levees and dikes and canals and account for the sea level rise as opposed to being thrusted back into the dark ages to prevent it from happening. Now, there are areas today in the U.S. and New Orleans, more specifically, that are currently more than seven feet below sea level. You know, so we might lose the Maldives. Which, yeah, that would suck. I mean, the Maldives are pretty beautiful. So, you know, if, if you want to go see the Maldives, go now or go as soon as possible. If you expect to live long enough to where the Maldives will no longer exist, but even then. I mean, we already know how to build up islands. I mean, hell, Miami Beach is a man-made island. It was built 102 years ago. And the engineering regarding building islands and, and trying to reduce as much of the uh, natural erosion that would occur has advanced significantly since, since Miami Beach was built. You know, so much so that the UAE and China are constantly building new little islands, and they're doing it way further out into the seas um, than Miami Beach is built. Now, this is obviously not a net positive, but it's also not an Armageddon scenario and absolutely does not call for massive power grabs by governments. And it absolutely does not call for such heavy regulation of fossil fuel industries and such heavy subsidia- subsidization of alternative energy sources that the fossil fuel industries are one price drop away from going into bankruptcy. So what? You know, We build some levees and dikes and some canals. Maybe in some areas build up to higher elevations where possible. It would be a very easy thing to prepare for. Especially given the fact that this is their prediction for 83 years from now. It didn't take that long for NASA to build a rocket that literally propelled itself outside of the Earth's atmosphere and outside of the Earth's orbit and all the way to the moon. Now there's one last claim and I think personally, the only claim that people should really be pitching a fit about if the science is correct, if they believe no advancement in energy production and consumption efficiency over the next few few decades will occur, or if they believe it's just too late, which science actually claims that it's not too late if it's accurate. But that claim is the increased acidification of the oceans. So the claim is that since pre-industrial times, pH levels in the oceans have decreased or become more acidic by negative 0.1 pH. Now, the estimate believes that in the worst case scenario, which would be in the Arctic Ocean, that an additional negative 0.5 in pH levels may occur. Now, this is if the models are accurate and if current CO2 ignitions stay exactly where they are for the next 80 years. Now, if government continues to prevent competition in the numerous industries that they do, if they continue to maintain the significant barriers to capital accumulation and the massive manipulation of capital allocation, it's quite possible that we see little advancement in energy efficiency over the next 80 years. But even then, I mean, anybody with a brain would admit that technological progress is likely to occur, and especially in this particular area, energy efficiency is not just something that, that's being uh, increased purely because government wants to reduce CO2 emissions. Energy efficiency is being increased because people want to be able to use less energy. They want to economize. They don't want to have to spend a ton of money on energy. So better gas mileage, for example, leads to less money spent on gas. That's the reason why gas efficiency is getting better and better. It has nothing to do with government mandates. In fact, the government mandates are pretty far behind the gas efficiency growth. And where they do get extreme, which is in about 2025, which hopefully the new administration uh, gets rid of altogether, but where where the mandates do become a little bit more extreme, it's pretty far off and there's a big spike in what the mandates ask for leading up to that in the last couple of years before 2025 so what's the conclusion ultimately there are two net positives i mean clear net positives will come from predicted climate change if the models are correct you know that's a lot more land as a result of warmer temperatures and permafrost melting and much more pleasant winters in most of the regions that are populated throughout the earth so those are obvious positives and there are also two net negatives that are easily met- mitigated by a reduction of government regulation and allowing people, individuals, and groups of individuals seeking a profit in a market system to find solutions, and that is to rising sea levels and the ocean acidification. All in all, it's very clear that the enviro-Nazis have hyperbolized the climate, climate change debate and have politicized climate science. The effects of man-made climate change according to the EPA, are really not that bad. On net, it seems to me that net-net, it'll be a positive for humanity in general. Well, everybody, that's it for tonight. I really do hope you enjoyed the show. I hope I've cleared up some of the great areas of the climate change debate. Now, don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. Tomorrow night, we're going to be going over the recent CNN-hosted Uh, Ted Cruz versus Bernie Sanders' debate on the future of Obamacare and the healthcare market. So if you're not listening to this episode from the show page, which is macroviewnews.com, you're going to want to head over there. On the show page, which will be the first available post, you'll find the sources of information that were discussed here tonight. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe to our email list, so that you'll get updated directly to your email inbox when a new episode's released and also while you're there do not forget to follow us on twitter and facebook the links for both can be found at the bottom of the website now lastly and most importantly do not forget to share the macro view with your friends your family your social media network and wherever else you can so that you can help me to spread the logic of liberty Tune back in tomorrow and take care everybody. You have been listening to the Macro View. Tune in tomorrow night and every weeknight at nine thirty PM Pacific Time to help spread the logic of liberty.